But now Leo didn't know he was starting to miss how it all turns out. Is anyone's guess? I use it all the time, I must confess. But if I care a little more, I'll use a little less. You got to use it again. Baby, don't you throw it away. Cause it's a beautiful world. Cut the light on, so finish now. I'm gonna get my money and go back to Mississippi. <laughs> All right. Good morning, everyone. My name is Chris Crandall, Crandall, whichever you prefer, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm a member of your board of trustees, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to worship this morning at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we begin, we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors. It is upon their land that we reside. We are served by the Reverend Paige Getty, minister, as well as a talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. Much appreciation goes out to the many lay leaders and volunteers whose incredible efforts and dedication help keep us connected. Where, whoever you are, wherever you're from, whoever you love and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. We particularly welcome any guests joining us this morning for worship. We encourage you to fill out the visitors form in the lobby or online and connect with others in the virtual or in-person social hour after the service so that we may meet and welcome you. Finally, for those attending worship in our sanctuary at the Owen Brown Interfaith Center this morning, please take a moment to silence your cell phones and other electronic devices. We have several announcements this morning. First of all, thank you to everyone who volunteered, donated, and bid at last night's live auction. The online silent auction closes this evening at 5 p.m., so make sure to keep an eye on all your favorite items and events. The auction team will be having a table during coffee hour to answer your questions. As you have probably heard, there will be a runoff election in Georgia between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker for the U.S. Senate seat, and it's time for another postcard campaign to get out the vote. Look for Ken Rock in Sanctuary B after service today. Ken, are you here? He will be. He will be. Okay. <laughs> um, where we after, after, after service today and next Sunday as well, Ken will have postcards, addresses, and labels. Let's write as many postcards as we can. Newcomers to UUCC are invited to join staff member Sarah Davidson at 11.30 a.m. in room 170 downstairs for today's I Am From poem sharing. This class is drop-in, so come as you're interested and available. We hope to see you at 4 p.m. today for a monthly Black Lives Matter vigil by the Mall in Columbia. Join us to give public witness to the problem of anti-Black racism in our neighborhood, nation, and world. Bring your own signs if you have them. The One World Coffee House invites you to hear local jazz favorite Lavinia Nesmith next Saturday, November 19th, here in Sanctuary C. One of the area's top female jazz vocalists, 
Lavinia performs to sell out audiences locally and nationally. Tickets can be purchased at the door or online. Immediately after the service this morning will be a climate fair right here in Sanctuary Sea with tasty and climate friendly snacks, which you may have already seen around the side there, and, and coffee. Everyone is encouraged to stay, mingle, and visit the tables representing some of the climate activities available here at UUCC. For those on Zoom, we'll have a mobile camera visiting each table so you can stay online after the service. And now UUCC member Jenny Fitzpatrick has an announcement. Jenny. Good morning. Can you, you all hear me? It's so nice to be here. It's been a while since I've been here. Um, I'm here to talk to you. My, uh, Jenny Fitzpatrick, I am a longtime member. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Um, and by way of introduction, I have been the chair of the Group Relations Workshop Committee over the last year. And I'm here to talk to you about the beginning of a conflict management ministry here in UUCC. The CMM is an outgrowth of the work we did over the summer on the appreciative inquiry effort and the fishbowl. And it is arising out of our desire to create an institutional or at least an embedded approach to conflict management within the congregation. The effort is aimed at building strength and resilience for us. As humans, we will occasionally run into conflict. We <laughs> would be nice if we could fix that, but we can't always. But our purpose is to provide a place where everyone has an opportunity to talk to a trained facilitator um, in the event that there is conflict and to work with a facilitator to try to manage, certainly to try to resolve, but at a minimum to manage the conflicts among us should they arise. The CMM is going to be staffed. It is entirely lay-led by trained uh, members of UUCC. It will provide, as I say, a place to be heard. And the approach is aimed at early assistance so that conflicts don't become uh, entrenched, so that people have an opportunity to work through ways in which they can work together on issues that they have. In terms of some of the specifics, it will be, as I say, member-led, trained volunteers as neutrals, it will relate to congregational conflicts, not personal conflicts outside of UUCC. It may be personal between individuals within UUCC, but it is part of the congregational effort. There is a charter that's been prepared uh, and describes the roles and the responsibilities, the standards of conduct, and the codes of ethics that we will use um, throughout this process. It is not arbitration or mediation. It is facilitation which means that a facilitator is not pushing toward a particular end um, or result, but is helping those involved to come to a result that is satisfactory for them. The initial group of facilitators will be trained on November 29th. Um, I'm really happy uh, to say that we have about six or seven people who are interested in being trained and engaged in this effort. Uh, and I know a common question is, well, isn't this the same as the Covenant of Right Relations? Um, it's not. It's a continuum. If we all adhere to the covenant of right relations, we may have no need for conflict resolution. But it's difficult to do that as humans, once again. Uh, so this is an effort um, of a different kind of support for all of us within the community. There's more information on the charter in the link. There was a, a little article last week, and there is a link to the charter, which is on the um, UUCC uh, website. 
I'm going to be here um, after the service. I'm going to hang out probably in here for anybody who has any specific questions or wants to discuss this further. I'm going to turn this over to Suzanne Hennick, who has other or the last announcement, I understand, um, for this morning. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Suzanne Hennig. My pronouns are she and her. UUCC's annual pledge drive isn't just about raising money for UUCC's programs and ministries. It's about nurturing stewardship among all of us here, and it is a chance to connect with each other through shared commitment, shared pride, and shared goals. So this afternoon at 2.30, please join a pledge drive brainstorm to share your ideas, opinions, and perspectives on how to make the upcoming pledge drive more inclusive, more engaging, and more effective. That'll be in room 213 at 2.30. So browse the climate fair after the service, grab some lunch with friends, and then come on back down to room 213 at 2.30. See you there. Good morning, UUCC. My name is Paige Getty. I use the pronouns she, her, and hers, and it is my great privilege to serve as minister of this congregation and to see so many of you here this morning, some people we're seeing for the first time, welcome, and many of you who are back for your second or third or 832nd. It's great to be together this morning. So uh, just a couple more housekeeping notes. Um, if for those of you in the room, if you're having trouble hearing and need a hearing assist device, please see the tech team in the booth in the back. They can help you out with that. If you'd like to follow along in the order of service, you can look at that on your own mobile device by using this QR code that's going to be on the screen for a moment. And if you are a guest today, I think Chris already mentioned, please fill out the visitor form either in the lobby or online so that we can stay in touch with one another. And finally, it is our custom in our services each week to honor the personal sorrows and joys of members of our community. And so if you have a sorrow or a joy that you would like to have voiced this morning, please send that by email to joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net. Or if you're in the room, you may write it in the book that's in the back. That'll happen early in the service today. I'm gonna stop talking for a moment and adjust this microphone, Tim. So this morning's service is going to be a little bit different from our typical Sunday worship experience. We've planned less content for the service itself than usual, except maybe for those announcements you just heard. We'll have fewer hymns, for example, because we want you to have plenty of time to explore the climate fair, learn about all the different ways you can be active in our climate team's efforts in our community and just to visit one another after the service ends. So much thanks to our 2U4C team, 2Us and 4Cs, the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia's Climate Change Team, for their consistent and passionate leadership in keeping this congregation informed and engaged about how we both as individuals and as an institution can be better stewards of our earthly home. That's what we're reflecting on today. The earth as our home, our spiritual home, the home of our bodies, the home of our ancestors and our children and our children's 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 children, we hope. It's our home. It has birthed us and nourishes us and shelters us and invigorates our lives. And in turn, the earth asks of us our care 
and our consideration and our respect. In other words, it asks of us our stewardship. So it's in that spirit that we worship today. And we're gonna open by lighting a flame in a chalice. This is a universal symbol of our Unitarian Universalist faith tradition for those of you who are new among us. And I'm gonna dedicate it with words of a poet, but first we're gonna light the flame. And second, first, I'm gonna pay attention to Phil's signals from the back of the room. He's reminding me that the bulk of our, the content of the service that will come later is questions and answers. So any questions you have about climate change and how it's being addressed, any climate questions, our steering committee is going to attempt to answer for you today. So in the spirit of our question box services that we do occasionally, write a question down, put it in the box in the back of the room. There are pencils and index cards. If you're with us remotely this morning, you can put those in the chat and Jen will alert us if you put a question in there and we'll read it from the computer up here. We'd love to have your questions and Phil and his team would love to answer them. Now I invite you to hear the words of poet Maya Sophia, who writes together, Mother Earth quakes and so do we. When a pipeline is built, the earth screams and with agony, so do we. The trauma is within our bodies, within the wind. But I've found my hope, you see, in community. Sometimes I have no words to describe when hope still lingers in the air. On a bright morning when we gather, our bodies tired from the trauma that clings to our skin. We are resilient but wish we didn't have to be. And yet, the joy of being together is still there. No matter what, we are building community. As the wind moves through branches, trees wiser than us, water passes by without a hesitation. A bird sings, and you can feel its joy. No matter what, justice will be achieved. The pipelines will be stopped, the earth will heal, and harmony will weave into everything because no matter what, we still try. Mother Earth shifts, and so do we. When a movement is created, the earth breathes. Let us worship. Good morning. My name is Kelly Daniker. My pronouns are she and hers, and it is my joy to serve as the religious education assistant at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. I'm going to invite the kids to come down. Um, as always, I need a little help this morning. 
Um, and while they're making their way down, I'm going to remind you of two important dates. November 27th is our tree decorating party. Join us right after service. And the Christmas pageant is coming up. So if you'd like to sign up, please feel free to reach out. Come on down. Miss Amelia will bring you down. So if you spend any amount of time with our youngest congregants, at some point, I promise you, the topic of climate change will come up. Are any of you concerned about the planet? Raise your hand if you have concerns about the planet. Just anything in particular, what concerns you about the planet? The planet getting hotter is a concern. What, what makes you concerned? Getting hotter, yes, right? Anyone, what was that? What do you think, Helena? Oh, that animals are not going to be able to live in this environment they're creating. They, oh, what about you, Violet? Oh, so, well, your best friends, we have to take care of the planet for your best friends, yeah? Yes, we do. They are aware, they are concerned, and they are the people for whom we are saving this planet for anyway. And more importantly, they are the people who are going to pick up this work long after we're gone. While the news we hear about the state of our planet can feel overwhelming, the good news is that this next generation is ready to take up the cause. They're passionate, they're willing to do the work, and they have ideas that we have only even begun to tap into. So in order to combat climate change, we're going to need a little bit of imagination. And when it comes to thinking outside of the box, no one does it better than our kids. So I'm going to ask us this morning to use our imagination with this cardboard box. We know that recycling is one of the easiest things we can do to combat our climate crisis. Conserves energy, reduces air and water pollution, reduces greenhouse gases, and conserves natural resources. Now, in some cases, we might choose to take our cardboard box or our recyclables and put them in a bin for pickup. But sometimes, we might choose to create something completely different. So I'm going to give you guys some things that might end up in the recycling bin. We're going to ask you to share this one. Right, we have egg cartons. These things might end up in the recycling. We have to toilet paper roll for you. And I'm going to ask you to help me take what you have, and we're going to turn this box into a robot. So where would you like your piece to go? Come on up. Come show me, Margo. Where would you like your piece to go on our robot? You want to put it on the top? That's fantastic. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Steven, and then we'll have Violet come up. Steven, where would you like your piece? And if you need some tape, I brought a little tape for you. You want to put it right there? Sort of as his face, yeah? A little robot face. Oh, we'll do our best. Hold on to it for me, buddy. Hang on. Don't let go yet. <laughs> we'll get a little tape on it. There we go. Perfect. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, Violet, you were next. Where would you like yours to go? Right there. You can put it right there for me. Want to help you put it up there? There's that part. Who else wants to come and put their piece up? You can go sit down, baby. Where would you like yours to go? Oh, you want yours to go right there. How did I know? <laughs> How did I know? I was prepared. Can you hold that there for me? You hold it right there. And we'll tape it on. There we go. 
Pretty good, pretty good. Anybody else want to come and put their piece up? Helena, come on up. Where would you like yours to go? Where would you like to put it? That's a good spot. You want to put it down here? All right, go ahead and put it right there, babe. No, oh, you're going to put it underneath. Oh, do you hear how everyone just oohed and awed at your genius? You, there you go. Perfect. Oh, she said she's made a robot, but well, you're very good at it. I'm not surprised one bit. Anybody else want to come put their piece up? Come put your piece up. What do you think? Where would you like that to go on your robot? Not bad. Anyone else have a piece you want to? All right. So if you're looking for fresh ideas or hope for the future of climate justice, I invite you to talk to our kids. They are aware, they are passionate, and they are creative. They turn boxes into robots and imagination into action. They show us what's possible if we think outside of the box. May we support them, may we listen to them, and may we empower them to lead us into the future. Please join me in leading, uh, singing our children to class. Jenny, could I have your help up here with the stones? Thank you. So I said earlier that it is our custom to honor personal joys and sorrows when we gather. Not only do we give voice to these sorrows and joys, but we also engage in this ritual of placing pebbles into a communal bowl of water. We honor how each one of our individual lives is part of a larger whole in this caring community where we are embraced by one another's love and care. And so those of you at home may wish to use your own pebbles and water. And here in the sanctuary, Jenny's going to put a pebble in the water for each sorrow or joy that's shared. And then during the music meditation, after our time of prayer and reflection, if those of you in the sanctuary want to come up in silence, you may do so. And one more, Jenny. This is for you and whatever you're holding unspoken within you right now. You're held in love. Thank you. Will you please join me for a few moments of reflection and silence and prayer? Holy Spirit of love, of life, Mother Earth, who embraces and nourishes us. We pause in gratitude and in awe for all the bounty of this life. Even as we grieve very real losses and tragedies in our families, as we witness the fear and the worry and too many injustices for us to account. May we be invigorated and inspired to be love, 
to be hope, to be healing in this world. Blessed be. Amen. It is our custom on the second Sunday of each month to take up a collection and then give it away to an organization that is doing really great work in our community. So in a few minutes, you're going to be invited to give either online by text or on, or on our website or to put cash or checks in the basket in the back of the room. But first, what a joy it is to welcome back to the chancel our UUCC friend and the executive director of the Community Ecology Institute, Kiara Diamore, who's gonna tell you about how your contributions today will be used. Kiara. Good morning. Thank you for having me with you today. It is an honor and a pleasure. I was last with you all in the spring of 2019 when I came to share with you the Community Ecology Institute's efforts to purchase and protect the last working farm in Colombia. It was our goal to protect this land from development and transform it into a place where the community could come together to learn from hands-on experience about how we could lead happier, healthier, more connected, and sustainable lives. With the help of the UUCC community and many, many other community members, we were able to achieve that goal. 
Over the past three years, Freetown Farm has become an incredibly diverse place of unique common ground for our community. There are over a dozen different agroecological demonstration spaces on Freetown Farm, which is just six and a half acres. So that's a lot of activity in a small space. We also have a, over a dozen different community partners working with us to steward this land. This includes the Howard County branch of the NAACP, Columbia Community Care, HopeWorks, the third, the school system, and so many more. But as we all know, these past three years have also been fraught by the challenges of the COVID pandemic. The same week that the farm reopened under, under the stewardship of the Community Ecology Institute, the world closed. CEI sought to rise to the very real, very acute challenges by working with our community members to literally raise and grow tons of produce for the community members here in Columbia and Howard County facing acute food insecurity. We also launched a new program last year called Nourishing Gardens, the director of which is right over here, Teresa Taylor. The goal of Nourishing Gardens is to transform lawns where we live, learn, work, play, and worship into ecologically beneficial food growing spaces. This year, we installed more than 20 such gardens. As Paige mentioned, and as some of the community members here mentioned, our most recent one is right here at the Owen Brown Interface Center. And we are incredibly excited to see how that garden grows. These gardens are part of CEI's commitment to local, tangible climate action. We use Freetown Farm and all of our intergenerational, nature-based experiential education programming to demonstrate land-based climate action. More than 3,000 unique people have directly participated in our farm-based experiences in the last three years. When we go out into the community to teach people how to grow and enjoy their own food, the reach is even larger. Because we use the principles of climate victory gardening, the gardens we co-create with people like UUCC help to sequester carbon, improve soil health, infiltrate water, increase biodiversity, and reduce our carbon footprints. By supporting and partnering with CEI, UUCC is helping bring tangible and joyful climate action to our community. It is said by David Orr that hope is a verb with its sleeves rolled up. Together, we can practice active hope, which is a concept by Joanna Macy, where we can honestly assess the crises we're in and honor our individual and collective pain, but root ourselves in gratitude so we can go forth and do all the good we can, where we can, with what we have. Thank you for your personal and collective action support over the years. We will have a table here at the Climate Forum if you want to come talk to us and have any more information. Thank you. Thanks, Kiara. And now you'll see instructions on the screen about how to give electronically. Thank you for your generosity.
So we describe Unitarian Universalism as a living tradition. It's a living religious tradition because we explicitly acknowledge not only that there are multiple sources of truth and wisdom, as opposed to having a single sacred or sanctified text, but also that those multiple sources of truth and wisdom themselves evolve. They are living. As people of faith, we welcome new insights, and then we modify our understanding of the world, and we modify our behavior based on that new learning and insight from wherever it comes. Some might say in more formal language that we declare that revelation is not sealed. This understanding of being a living tradition currently is codified in Unitarian Universalism's Statement of Principles and Purposes. I say currently because this too is a living document. It has changed and will change over time, but that's a separate sermon for a different day. There are six sources of wisdom that are formally articulated in this Statement of Principles and Purposes. These sources say that we affirm that wisdom and truth come from individuals' direct spiritual experiences, from prophetic words and actions of humans, living and dead, from the teachings of many religious traditions, and more. But the one source I especially want to highlight today as we engage with these questions of climate change and what is our faithful, hopeful engagement with its realities is the sixth of the six sources, which says, spiritual teachings of earth-centered traditions which celebrate the sacred circle of life and instruct us to live in harmony with the rhythms of nature. We, Unitarian Universalists, celebrate the sacred circle of life, and we are committed to living in harmony with the rhythms of nature. It's a spiritual commitment. It's a commitment born of an attitude of humility and respect for our interdependence with the earth. And it is also a practical commitment because we acknowledge that our very human well-being and survival depend on a healthy relationship with our planet. In the recent edition of UU World magazine, I hope many of you received it in your inbox, it's also available online, there's an essay by Erica Shadowsong titled Belonging to the Earth. She writes of being reminded of what she describes as an older worldview, one that says that the earth doesn't belong to us, we belong to the earth. And if we belong to the earth, then we also belong to each other and to every other being and form of life upon it. If we belong to the earth, she becomes a living entity to us, and in doing so regains a sense of power and agency in our minds. I hope we will embrace the truth of Erica Shadowsong's sentiments today, whether we're embracing it for the first time or with a renewed sense of awareness that we belong to one another and we belong to the earth. She, we are not other to one another. 
We are interconnected, interdependent, and we need one another's care. So as we prepare this morning to engage for a few minutes in some questions and answers with our climate team about the state of our climate, about the state of our Earth, about our very future, I offer a prayer. This is American writer Rebecca Solnit's adaptation of words that are recited very often in many Christian churches. So it's probably going to sound familiar to you. But this version is Mother's Prayer. I offer it to you with the hope that it will be our prayer today. Our Mother, who art underfoot, hallowed be thy names. Thy seasons come, thy will be done within us as around us. Thank you for our daily bread, our water, our air, and our lives, and so much beauty. Lead us not into selfish craving and the destructions that are the hungers of the glutted, but deliver us from wanton consumption of thy vast but finite bounty. For thine is the only sphere of life we know, and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will you rise and join your voices in singing hymn number 175, We Celebrate the Web of Life. like I was just here <laughs> last night, hmm. not quite, a little bit more than 12 hours ago. Thank you all for being here today. It is great to see all these people. It is so good to be back in the sanctuary. Thank you so very much. Really appreciate it. 
So Paige alluded to 2U4C, and that's everybody, fundamentally. But there is also a steering committee, and this is a group of people, and we have been together for at least three years um, since we first did the first climate service a long time ago. It was Tim Latimer, myself, Jim Caldiero, and Ned Tillman as we did that service. And this whole thing has come out of that service based on the response of the people in this congregation. Over 100 of you have signed up to be on our mailing list, and I will ask you if you'd like to also join that. But first, I just want to run through very quickly the members of the steering committee. We meet at least monthly and plan all kinds of very, very valuable stuff. Mary Rogers, Tricia Steinhelber, Dina Bogard, Lindsay Thompson, Chris Crandall, Gail Holm, Robin Hesse, Al Holm, Ken Crandall, Frank Hazard, got Ken Crandall twice, and me. And, um, <laughs> and there are a number of other people that are engaged with everything, and Wing immediately comes to mind. Um, we do have a mailing list. We do tend to use it a lot during the Maryland General Assembly time. You often will get messages from Al Holm. If you haven't ever gotten a message from Al Holm asking you to write your legislature or do something, please send an email to us and we will add you to the mailing list. It is climatechange at uucolumbia.net. Please take a moment to do that. So uh, the questions are here. There weren't a lot, but they were really a variation of one question. And I really now sympathize with Paige and Anthony, who I have seen do this when you just make up these very brilliant answers on the fly. And so I've scribbled a bunch of notes here, and this will be a bit disjointed because there's a lot of information here. Um, and then we will publish both what I say here after I clean it up and the rest of the questions. Um, and Frank will do that, and it'll appear on the web page somehow or another. But the variation of the question is, what can I do? I got that question. Uh, almost everybody's question has something to do with that. And that's very interesting because the data shows that many, many people are in exactly that place in the world right now. When I first gave the, the first sermon those three, four years ago, I told you about a Yale University study of the six Americas, how they do this survey once or twice a year and based on people's responses, they divide you up into six different groupings. And I'm gonna go from the good group to the not so good group. The first are those of us that are alarmed. We lose sleep over this. There is the second group, people that are concerned. People that are cautious about it, that it makes a bit of sense to them, but they're not exactly sure. The people that are disengaged, their lives are just too complicated to worry about this. There are the doubtful, and then there are the dismissive. And since this survey has been taken since 19, since 2020, since 2014, the population has been moving towards the alarmed and concerned. Right now, the alarmed, concerned, and cautious total 75% of people in America fit into those categories. And if you just look at the alarmed and concerned, it's a majority, and it is a majority in every state, every state in the union. But a lot of the people that are concerned and cautious are going, what can I do? 
what is the most important thing that I can do? And that's the question that, that people are asking here. What is the one thing we can do? And so I'm going to give you sort of an overview of what I think you can do and what most of the things that I read, and, and we read a lot, and the team reads a lot of these things. And, and they're in no particular order exactly, but the first and most important thing is to make yourself informed. Read, analyze, question what you see. And based on your information, you should vote. And I believe you should vote a particular way. You know, those people that, that are also alarmed and concerned about this. And then voting is sort of the entry level thing you can do. The other thing that you really need to do is to get involved. Get involved with organizations that are advocating for any number of activities. These are organizations like the Sierra Club, Blue Water Baltimore, the Chesapeake Area, Chesapeake Climate Action Network, CCAN. These are here, they're all over the place. You can find all of this information on the internet. Join these organizations and you will learn more and you will learn about opportunities to take action. The organization that I'm a member of, it's somewhere over here, Unitarian Universalist Legislative Ministry. That is an organization that, uh, that tries to influence the state legislature. All of these organizations will do that from the perspective of their big interest. So there's so many of these that you can find one that will line up directly with your values, your beliefs, and your areas of concern. If you're concerned about you know, recycling, there is an organization that does that. If you're concerned about legislation, there's something there. If you're concerned about water, if you want to learn about composting, all of these organizations are there. And they will contact you and ask you to write your legislator or call or send money. I'm sorry about that. That's, 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 just, that's just part of the deal. And there are also opportunities to join rallies and demonstrations. Last year, several people here went down with us for the Climate Solutions Now Act, which was passed in the state of Maryland. And Maryland is back up near the top level of you know, advocacy for the climate. And we were out there with our signs, and the legislators came by, and some of them talked to us and were very helpful. Some walked by like this, not wanting to be seen. Um, but those are the things you need to do, because that influences how laws are made and how they're influenced. Okay? But just making the laws isn't sufficient. They have to be implemented. And our current, soon to be former governor, was not really enthusiastic about enforcing these regulations. And so now the budget processing in the state of Maryland has changed because he was not doing the things that people wanted him to do. So inform yourself, join organizations, get involved. Now what can you do in your day-to-day -day activity? And the thing that we are hearing the most of right now is a very simple word. It's called electrify. Electrify. The whole point is to get carbon pollution out of our lives. Fossil fuels have got to go. 
Maryland has passed a law requiring that we come to net, or net zero emissions of carbon in 2045. That's 23 years from now. There is a lot of work to do. We cannot do that if we're driving, electric, if we're driving gasoline cars, if we're heating our houses with, with natural gas, if we continue to you know, pollute in everything we do, and, and, and it's all there. So these are the things that we have to do. And so the first step towards reducing is to electrify in your homes. Next time you need to replace your furnace, go with a heat pump. Next time you need to replace your water heater, use electricity. When you buy your next car, hybrids are good, buy an electric car. It doesn't have to be a Tesla, Elon Musk is a jerk, but there's still, <laughs> there are still, but he still has the best product out there as far as getting, if, if your issue is, oh, never mind, but it, it's, a, it's a really, it's a really good, there are other cars and other manufacturers and even Ford has introduced an F-150 pickup truck, electric version. Who would have thought that was going to happen? And change your source of electricity to solar and wind. If you don't know how to do that, talk to Robin at the fair. That is critical. Now, right now, much of our electricity is not carbon free, but if we're increasing demand and there will be more wind and solar, you're already set up. So if you have wind and solar now, and then you switch over to a heat pump and all these other things, now you're eliminating carbon. Make no personal investments in anything carbon related. Electrify everything. And then your personal, your personal commitment. How do you live your daily life? Reduce consumption. We throw away more stuff in this country. It all ends up in landfills. Landfills create methane, okay? In the foods you eat, Compost everything. Don't throw anything organic away. Find a way to compost it. I know the green bins are not perfect where they need to be in Howard County, but it's getting better. Compost. Landfills are an unknown source or an unknown quantity of source of methane. Everything that goes in there, they cover it with dirt and all of the organic material turns into methane. And it is horrible. Okay, so do that. Reduce your use of plastics. Dina will be talking about plastics over there. Plastics are a huge source of pollution. They're a huge user of fossil fuels, and they're fundamentally non-recyclable. 10% maybe get recycled. I know that the, the upcycle crew is trying to do what they can with a certain small number of these things, and it's very, very excited about that. We've got a bench from them. But it's still, we need to reduce the stuff that's there. And we need to reuse everything. Recycle. Go to Charity's Closet. It's where Mary buys all of her clothes. You know, it's where, you know, people are recycling their clothes. I've even got their shoes on today. It's a great thing to do. So these are some of the fundamental things that each of us can do. It's, sim it's really simple. But... The most important thing is electrify 
and do not buy another internal or external combustion anything. Cars, furnace, water heater. They even have heat pump clothes dryers. Ed Gaddy has one of those. I had never even heard of that. But that's just, um, you know, so there's Ed. He's way out front. We really appreciate that. So those are the notes that I have scribbled down. <coughs> I did see a couple of interesting things I want to tell you that um, there, there was an analysis done on electric vehicles. And right now, EVs are approaching like 4 or 5% which is almost a tipping point, that once a new product gets to a point that it starts to accelerate like that, then it will become inevitable. Um, it's similar to the way iPhones were. You know, 15, 20 years ago, three people had an iPhone. Now, probably a thousand of them sitting in the audience here. So that's a very positive sign. Um, <clears throat> and the, the one other thing I want to talk about is there are We've all seen the results of these climate models, which are just gloom and doom. And the, the problem with those models is they use an assumption of greenhouse gas as an input to it. And they have four different curves, sort of business as usual, a little bit, a little bit more, pretty good. And so all of the models are based on that input, but there's no controlling of what that input to the greenhouse gas sources are. But there are some models now that are actually looking at human behaviors. And we all know that the amount of greenhouse gas is fundamentally a result of human behaviors. And so some of the models, and they're using a lot of um, like advertising models of you know, people that are using new products and how people are influenced by people that they follow. And what they're starting to see is almost the majority of these, if the behaviors that I've talked a little bit about today continue, and if, you know, if I buy a, you know, a, a new heat pump and then Paige does and she tells her neighbors and everybody does this, you know, how does that Im impact what's going on? And what we're seeing is that well over like 60% of the cases are on the optimistic trajectory for climate change. In other words, your actions help if, if we're demonstrating these behaviors and we're telling our friends and neighbors and family members, even those down south, that these things can happen because of the impacts that we as individuals have. And it shows up in these models. I thought that was really amazing. So, and, and I'm a scientist and I just, <laughs> I was like, wow, that's important. So I would like to stop there. If anybody has a burning question, um, I actually have a microphone, or we can get right to the goodies. And the goodies are really good. So, over to you, ma'am. May I also channel Ann Wang and Kiara and Teresa and say that we need to be playing in the dirt more? I feel like that inspires me to act is when I actually get out and play in the dirt. So thank you, Phil. Thank you, climate team. Thank you all who are going to talk to each other and help better inform us and get us engaged in the climate fair. We are going to move directly into that um, without a whole lot of fanfare here. So I'm going to invite you to rise, prepare yourselves to move around, and hear words 
again from the poet Maya Sophia, with which we began the service. She wrote that no matter what, justice will be achieved and harmony will weave into everything because no matter what, we will still try. Mother Earth shifts and so do we. When a movement is created, the Earth breathes. Go now in hope and in love and be stewards. See you next week, UCC. Got the time, the inclination. I have answered your invitation. I'll be leaving in the morning. Watch me go. I don't know where the wind is blowing. Got directions to where I'm going. Nothing certain. That's the only thing I know. Do it now. Do it now. While the vision is clear. Do it now. While the feeling. Hello, this is Ken Crandall, and I'm hoping you're going to be able to see me. I'm going to take a tour. I'm going to take a tour around the sanctuary for anybody who might be out there on Zoom and still listening. So I'm walking over here and I'm going to start talking with the, some of the first tables here. And here's Mary Rogers. And uh, what what group are you with, Mary? What, what? You are on. You are live. Yeah, you're live casting right now okay. to to our audience on Zoom. And are you with you? I understand you with the climate team. You want to, so what, what groups do you uh, work with? Hi. Yes. Are you, do you work with the, the environmental justice? I, and what can I, people I do? Work, I work with the steering committee and also uh, the environmental and climate justice. And uh, we are um, talking a lot today about our partnership with both with the Community Ecology Institute and also with CAP. Um, which um, would be wonderful if more people uh, could get involved. These are great organizations that are helping to promote uh, different issues that are relevant for both climate and environmental justice. We would certainly welcome your participation. And, more, and the more the merrier, and we have fun. <laughs> great. Thank you, Mary. I'm going to move on around the sanctuary here. You're going to see Lindsay Thompson is here talking with somebody. And uh, I don't want to interrupt her, so I'll let you see. Could, could, could I uh, ask a question, please? Uh, uh, what do you do over here, Lindsay? What is this? We're live streaming to everybody on Zoom, so I'm glad you're here. You're, you're here, too. Here we go. Hello, Monica. Okay.
you may have engaged in the mitigation to the reduction of carbon adaptation and resilience, which are how we're going to adapt ourselves um, to deal with the place we already are, and justice, which is the, uh, the framework and the lens which we want to look at all our activities. And the people who are most affected by climate change are those who are if someone wanted to get involved with this part of the team, what would they do? Well, we have some activities that we are doing that are already listed here, and the bold ones are groups that you would find around the room, and you can get connected that way. Other things that are listed here, for example, um, resiliency education or um, talking about the OVIC building and um, facility and how we might build resiliency here are, are ideas that we have and we're looking for volunteers and people who are really interested in the topic. Thank you so much. I will move on to the next table. Thank you. And, and I'm here on the roving reporter, and this is live streaming to the Zoom audience that is there. So who do we have here, which identify yourselves and what all you're trying to, how people can get involved. Although Kiara has already told us a lot, but say hi, say, say hi, Teresa. That is great. And I see some of the pictures you have here. And is there a next time? How do you volunteer? Do you have to sign up or you just come? Thank you so much. Thank you. And next we have the food table, which unfortunately we, we cannot help with the food table. But I will have to move on out to the food waste table. And, and we also have Dina over here is going to be this. Ken, could I interrupt for a little bit? I am live streaming to everybody out on the audience here. And I would like to ask Dina a question sure. about what what is it, what part of the team are you representing here? What are you doing and how can people get involved? And then- This is what Bill talked about, the plastic problem, right? And uh, what we want to really help people start understanding is that recycling is at the bottom of what we can do. We really have to start thinking about using less, uh, reducing, reducing, et cetera. Um, because the plastic, I mean, most people don't know. But in, by the end of this decade, eight more years, we will have produced more plastic than in all the years in 50 years. Wow. And wow. It's destroy wildlife. And it's actually going to destroy us. They're finding microbes in pregnant women. Um, so we're actually feeding our kids plastic. Wow. And we know it's a hormone disruptor. We know it's so if someone wants to get involved with this, what how do they contact you? What do they do? We're going to put this on the web page, but the idea is we want to start a brainstorming group in January. Okay. And Robin has been Thank you very much. And over here, we have another group. This one is the Food Waste Action Group. 
that we're going to be having here, and we have we have eager people already at the table. So I would like to ask Trish Steinhilbert to tell us a little bit about this group and uh, what type and what types of things do you do, and how can people get involved? Sure, this is the food waste advocacy. We're trying to get people to understand that throwing their uh, food waste into the garbage causes the production of methane. All that carbon is used by microbes, and if there's no oxygen and there isn't any in a landfill. Half of that carbon ends up as methane, a very powerful greenhouse gas. So if you're in Howard County in the zone, we want you to participate in it. Uh, if you're not, see if there's a way you can get your uh, carbon waste to um, we also want you to understand that a lot of food is wasted because people don't understand best value. They're a quality indicator. They are not a safety indicator. And most, many foods that are way beyond their best by date are still perfectly edible and shouldn't be thrown out. We also think it's a good idea to actually measure your family's food waste. The latest statistics say that we waste two thirds of a pound a person a day. Wow. Now, do you think your family's wasting that much? Well, if you don't know, do a food diary for a week and see what you're wasting. And then analyze it for where in the process it's being wasted and see if you can make a change. Okay, thank you so much. I will move on to the next table. Yes. And now I have the next table. Now that she's back from helping people with food, I have what's your name, young lady? Yes. And I'm the chair of the Rich Diet Subcommittee. And so, what do you do, and how can people get involved? Well, uh, we try to get people involved in and to eat less animal products because um, animal products cause tons of methane and scientists have said that unless we eat less meat that's everyone in the world we're doomed and in addition um, the, the, the authors and the researchers of the drawdown book have claimed that eating less meat and fewer animal products is the best way, the most impactful way for individuals to make a difference in Great. So we, what we do in the committee is we try to start events. We had um, a vegetarian cooking class that ran over several seasons and was well attended. Um, we are, will be promoting um, eating, eating less meat by going to vegetarian restaurants in the spring. We'll have a vegetarian eating group. And is it and and potlucks, hopefully, too, here at UCC. And you can see, you can have some very delicious and nutritious food that is vegetarian right there. Thank you very much. Thank I'll you. move to the next table. Okay, we're moving on to the sanctuary. Excuse me, Bob. I'd like to move up to this table and ask some questions for the live streaming to the Zoom audience. Uh, what are you doing here? What's your name and what are, you, what are you doing? What do you represent? Jim Aldi, Robin Hesse. I'm trying to get folks to, to realize how easy it is to convert your power source to wind and solar. All you have to do is sign up on the NBGE. Link that Robin provides on the UBC website. 
this year, uh, there'll be a number of issues affecting women. And I attended the uh, Maryland legislative agenda for, clim- uh, for uh, women yesterday. Uh, and one of the issues that they're considering backing is the Climate Crisis and Environmental Justice Act, which will fund the amendment that was passed last year. Um, and of course, all these things that affect women, again, will affect climate change. Thank you so much. You're welcome. For everything you do. And do we have somebody at this last part who would like to uh, talk about this final section we have to everybody in the Zoom audience? Okay. And what are your names and what are you doing here? I'm Ashley. I'm Al Holm. And we are here talking about Native land. And all of these are from around the building, um, and all of them are native, and all of them are blooming beautifully, right? Now, also, so you don't have to go and buy something if you can handle your own cars. And it's made of plants who draw in native creatures, birds, butterflies. Other insects, chipmunks. Yes. <laughs> well, also, what's important about native plants is they are the bottom baggage. The climate, and if you don't have native plants, you don't have native insects, it's going to be the birds and the frogs. And those, in, those birds and frogs mean so, so, if somebody wanted to get involved in this, or what kind of activity might they do, or how do they contact you? Well, they 
and sign up to be part of the regenerative landscape. We are, we are basically um, regenerative. That's the name. I have a list of native plant sources here. And very and what he is starting is a homegrown national park. Thank you both so much. You don't need a big, you don't need a big twenty thousand acres. You do it in your backyard, quarter of an acre. Perfect. Thank you both. And now moving to the final table is some delicious food that is all vegetarian. And I want to thank everybody who's still tuning in for for this. But you can see there's quite a lot of activity. Please join any way that uh, most fits you. If there's something you want to do with climate, question box questions are still open. If you want to ask any questions, send it to the email address that's offered or contact anybody from the climate team that you just saw interview. Thank you. This is Ken Crandall signing off.